welcome to Bridging Chicago, a podcast that aims to connect our listeners to Chicago's business, community, cultural, and charity leaders. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Bridging Chicago podcast. My name is Nathan Shula and I'm your host for today's episode. Be sure to check out our website, www.bridgingchicago.com, to check out season six, as well as all of our prior episodes of the podcast. Today, we are happy to be joined by PJ Weiland, a Chicago business coach at Business Profit and author of Dinking Through Life, Lessons from the Pickleball Court. PJ, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, it's nice to see you, Nathan. Yeah, I know that we talked a little bit before we started here, and this is something that you're well-versed at sharing your story and sharing about what you're doing, and so we're excited to get to talk to you. We always start with your Chicago story because we are bridging Chicago. And so can you tell us about where you're from, your Chicago connection, and what it is that you enjoy about our city? Yes, um, I have been in Chicago since 2001. Um, I'm from the Midwest, so a Midwest city is, is definitely, uh, Chicago is that big Midwest city, which is what I love about Chicago. I lived in a, a lot of smaller towns and uh, there's nothing like the heart of the city. Uh, I was in there yesterday showing it off to some visitors and uh, just to be proud of the city and what it has to offer uh, is uh, pretty remarkable. Yeah, Chicago is such a fun city to show off. I know that a lot of times when people come here, they want to see the Bean, they want to see Navy Pier, they want to see the museums, which are amazing, obviously. But there's so many parts of it that are so vibrant and so fun to see that are in the neighborhoods and people know about Chicago's neighborhoods, but um, but there's so many neighborhoods. I, I think I go out to Albany Park on, on Saturday mornings because I play volleyball out there. And I mean, just the number of different restaurants that are out there from all different cultures, the number of languages you'll hear spoken on the street. It's amazing to think like we're in Chicago and we have all this around us and getting to show that off is always really fun. Yeah, I agree, I agree. Um, with that, I, I know you said you're in the, you grew up here in the Midwest. It's a very active city, um, especially if you didn't grow up. Um, it's a very active area. If you didn't grow up in the city, there's all kinds of space. You know, where I grew up, I grew up in a farm town, so you could ride your bike around. You could go play baseball. There's plenty of open space to do those kinds of things. Is that is that similar to your experience? Did you kind of grow up being very active? Uh, I grew up very active, very uh, playing all types of sports, all types of uh, activities. I'm a, from a family of eight kids, so wow. we had our own our own baseball team, our own basketball team, our own <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, four pickleball teams there, <laughs> and we we had plenty of people to play with. So yeah, uh, that that definitely colored uh, how I see the world in the element of sports. Uh, it's been yeah. very important in my life. Well, it's interesting because it obviously became such a huge part of your life. But one of the things I think about sports that's really important that it teaches very early is the value of teamwork mm -hmm. and the value of relying on other people to help you accomplish a goal. Um, is that something that you noticed very early that you really enjoyed or, or what was it about the teamwork aspect you think that helped you that helps you now as an adult that other people could experience as well? Um, I enjoy the, the leadership that comes with sports. The, um, the element of you know, working as a team, working on yourself, but as part of the team um, and knowing that when others count on you, the better you are, the better you can contribute, contribute to the entire team. Um, yeah. so that has always been, been a part of it. 
Um, I've mostly played team sports, uh, not as much. Uh, yeah, I played tennis, but it was doubles. Um, I've played, you know, I did uh, volleyball, you know, with, you know, with small teams but, or big teams, but mostly things that involve some strategy and yeah. uh, the, you know, competitive nature of things, uh, whether it was recreational or, or actually competitive. Uh, I really enjoyed that part of it uh, in particular. Yeah, that's why I like volleyball a lot because you're so reliant on your teammates to to help you because it's impossible to win that sport by yourself. You're so reliant on the passers doing their thing, the setter doing their thing, and then giving you an opportunity to hit the ball and then switching that over to defense. And it seems like that's something for me that has really been a great lesson is, um, you know, when you're transitioning from offense to defense, you, you have to think in a completely different way all of a sudden. And it's not like someone else gets to come in and now they're on defense. It's like you only get to play offense if you also play defense. And I think for me, that's been a real lesson in that being able to transition like that has taught me how to transition and be flexible and, and just be able to pivot really well in life and how important that can be in the different stuff. Absolutely. I, when I moved to Chicago um, pretty early on, I joined a soccer team. And I played soccer for about 15 years with a group of women um, until COVID hit. And then the, the arena we played at the uh, shut down and I had to find a new sport. So uh, it is about, you know, a sport and they all have some similarities, but the, the mastering of a new sport has been a, a great challenge for me. Yeah, let's talk about uh, your new sport a little bit, because I the, my first experience with pickleball definitely comes from this, I hope this doesn't sound offensive, but when I was in high school, we would play pickleball. If, if the coach didn't want to like plan to do anything else, they're like, I'll go play pickleball. Cause he knew we loved it. <laughs> so he's like, I don't want to, I don't want to do anything. So go play pickleball. And it was like the best day ever. Um, but can you explain to us a little bit about what it is? Um, it's rise in popularity. There are so yeah. many courts now in Chicago. Um, talk to me about its rise in popularity. And then some of those similarities that you see in pickleball, how that transfers from the court to to real life. So I um, am a newer person to the pickleball uh, sport. I got into pickleball about a year, a little over a year and a half ago. So I'm fr pretty darn new to it, but I am a tennis player. So I have played racket sports. Um, mm -hmm. So there's a natural, there's a group of people that take on pickleball that play racket sports and there's people that never played racket sports. So there's kind of two okay. different types of people who join. Um, Pickleball has a such a wide appeal because of its social nature, its mm. easy learning curve, and it is um, an easy sport. I played soccer. We had to have seven, eight, 10, 11 people on the field. You had to have another 11 on the other side. It was a very coordinated effort. Pickleball, you show up at a court, you have a racket, you have a ball, and you just find people to play with. And so there's very little effort, very little coordination. It's very fluid, and that was very appealing to me um, because, I, you know, schedules and getting people coordinated wasn't that interesting when you can just show up and play. Yeah. Kind of like pick up basketball. You just show up and play. Yeah. Um, you, you made me think about the fact that, like, pickleball also doesn't require a ton of resources no. um, because a lot of the sports, lacrosse, for example, um, hockey, are popular but expensive and it it's just one of those things where many many families are having to choose between 
you know, unfortunately, a lot of families have to choose between like getting good quality nutrients to their families mm -hmm. or allowing their kids to go on field trips to go to uh, have these cultural experiences to play in sports. And unfortunately, we see how the arts do take a hit. Arts and sports take a hit in that. Um, but with pickleball, it's something where it doesn't require a ton of resources and you can pretty much do it indoor or outdoor um, just as easily. Yes, there's a lot of indoor played in gyms, just like basketball gyms. Yeah. Uh, that have, uh, the park districts uh, around the country have taken that on to make sure that the courts are lined. Uh, the outdoor courts, the tennis courts that have been either converted or lined with pickleball, um, the ability to show up and actually bring your own net if you want, you know, that is also happens for a lot of people um, in their own driveway. They put a net up, mm -hmm. play. Uh, it's about the right width and it's about the right size, so that yeah. happens frequently. Uh, but the convenience of it is a huge factor in the entry. You know, the the barriers to entry are just low for pickleball. Yeah. Do you see that causing it to grow in areas that are maybe under-resourced? Is the, are there communities that can more easily provide space and resources for kids to play pickleball who haven't been able to play other sports but want to get involved in something? Well, that's a great question. Um, I do see a lot of families playing, um, and I do see the teenage population, um, as you said, many of these teenagers took it in high school or in grade school. So it's kind of funny because uh, I didn't do that in grade school or high school, but there's a whole generation that has learned pickleball, but never played pickleball in any capacity until recent years. And so they're familiar, they're willing to, to take it on. Um, there's not, there's oftentimes when I'll go out to the courts and I'll play a, a 14, 15, 16 year old, uh, two or three kids. And it's a very level sport where I can, yeah. I can play and I can hold my own uh, or beat them, and they're kind of shocked at times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've seen that with twos uh, beach volleyball a lot too. <laughs> like people who've been playing that sport for a long time will just go out there and just crush these, you know, sixteen-year-old <laughs> kids who are like, "Oh yeah, I'm the best," and then it's like maybe not quite what you thought. No. And that is one of the lessons that I do teach in the book and I do draw the parallel to is, you know, um, looks can be deceiving, right? You, yeah. you walk on the court and you're thinking, you know, I, I can clearly, um, you know, win this match. And yet, uh, you know, the person on the other side is maybe older, maybe looks less mobile even. Um, but man, they can slice a ball. They can place it well. They can hold their own on the court. They know where to be. They know the strategy. Mm -hmm. And, you're, it, it's surprising. In, in life, we have to recognize that we can't, um, you know, judge a book by its cover, right? We have to look yeah. at what the skills are that they bring to the table. And because the aging population does play a lot more pickleball, um, it actually shows that, you know, they are just as capable and can yeah. totally hold their own and often do better than you can. Yeah. Uh, so it's a, it's a great reminder for that as well. But on the flip side of that, it also kind of provides that bridge between those generations where for me, I think about, unfortunately, I don't have any grandparents living anymore, but I think about, you know, if, if I did, I mean, there are 60 and 70 year olds who are playing pickleball who are, are good. And, and it seems like it's a natural way to kind of help 
build some of those bridges and kind of keep those connections so that sometimes people just need something to come around. They just need a commonality to sort of build off of so that um, it's like, well, I don't know what to talk about. Hey, let's go play pickleball. And then all of a sudden you're spending that quality time with that person that you're really cherishing. You bring up a great point, Nathan. Um, when uh, there are several people that I play with regularly that are seniors and they are live alone and they use it as a social outlet, um, but they also are good and yep. they come out and uh, it's a it's a lot of fun. The court's small enough, unlike tennis, that you actually have conversations. You can actually yep. enjoy the camaraderie because you are in close proximity with people. Uh, even when you're playing um, uh, a heated match, you can still have that verbal camaraderie, which is really yeah. important. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Uh, I'm glad you brought up the book because I'd love to hear about the book. I think we have to start, though, with this 30-day challenge thing because <laughs> I saw that and I was like, uh, I, I kind of mid jokingly was like, you know, I saw this 30-day book writing challenge and I was like, challenge not accepted. 30 days? That seems nuts. But um but this yeah. is something that you took on and it's something that uh, that obviously for you meant something. So uh, let's kind of start there about this 30 day challenge to write and publish this book, kind of where you found that. And then, you know, when you first started, how you were able to kind of take that step from like, oh, I have this idea and here's this challenge. Now, how am I going to actually get a book out of that? It's a, it's a great question, and uh, I have a, a history of doing kind of unusual things, and I'll say that, just I'll leave it at that. Um, so, and, and the creative side of me is there in trying to find something that just is a little different. And I was at the pickleball court, and I was just chatting with people, and I said something about that being similar to life, it's no different than life. and colleague, a player said, you should write a book on that. And that was like six o'clock on a weeknight. And I went home that night and I, I kind of laughed because I had published a book in April of this year and my first book. And it took me three to four years. It took me, it was a long project. It changed directions a half a dozen times. It was, it should not have taken that long. And so when I, I heard this uh, and I have another book that I'm thinking of writing, or I actually have the table of contents ready to go. And I, he said that I'm like, this is ridiculous. I can do it in 30 days. And I just dreamt that up and said, I thought about it tonight. Today is day zero. And therefore it's the concept. And I'm going to go from concept, just that very little germ of an idea to Amazon in 30 days. And it was just something that I, personally have decided to push myself to and didn't know if it was a hundred percent possible. I believed it was, otherwise I wouldn't have completely taken it on, but I didn't really know how that was going to happen. I just figured I could do it. Mm -hmm. And if I put my mind to it and I'm a, I'm a planner, I understand how to do, you know, project management 101. I figured I just had to put my, my head down and, and figure that out. Yeah. Um, that's where it started. Wow. Uh, what were your biggest challenges that you, that you faced in these 30 days, getting it kind of over the finish line there? Sure. Um, the, like after about day one, I panicked a little bit because I, the type of book I was going to write and how I was going to write it, I had to get my head wrapped around it because I didn't, it was truly from a concept. 
it wasn't anything that um, I had to um, find an illustrator because there was going to be a high illustration element to this book. I, I draw, but not like that, not in any capacity. So I had to find an illustrator who was willing to take this crazy journey with me and, and willing to do it uh, and not really know what they're getting into either. Right. <laughs> so I put out the call. I, I tried a bunch of different, and I had to try fast. I couldn't, I couldn't like just meander through this. I had to just make a decision fast and I had to find my partner really, really fast Yeah, yeah. Uh, and bet on that working. Uh, so I put out to three different illustrators and I kind of, uh, I was not excited about it. And then I finally said, I'm just going to go out. I went on social media and said, I need an illustrator. Mm-hmm. And I would talk, I talked to about 40 illustrators in about a 24 hour period of time. And when I tell them I'm doing a 30 day challenge, I need 60 illustrations in 20 days, hundred percent completed. Most of them laughed at me. Most of them told me, no, they, most of them was like, not, I'm not your person. They stepped back. Yeah. I was not getting it. And I ended up with a, um, the daughter of a high school classmate who I haven't spoken to in 25 years, whatever, you know, long time, but happens to be, uh, connected on Facebook. And she said her daughter was a good candidate and she's been amazing. I mean, I couldn't ask for a better partner. Yeah. Um, man, social media really changed the game for everything, which is awesome. (laughs) That's a huge challenge. That was a huge, that was probably my biggest challenge because it was something I couldn't control. Yeah. And I couldn't do, I had to have a great partner because I couldn't pick up where they left off. I couldn't fill the gaps. Right. If they couldn't do it, it wasn't going to happen. Hmm. But I think also, I mean, good for the people who said, I'm not your person, because I think it can be hard to say no, especially <laughs> when it's something, I mean, it's your life's work, it's how you make your money, and you want to say yes to as many things as possible. But I think sometimes saying no and saying, look, I'm I'm just not a match is, is a good thing. Yeah. And I had talked to a lot of people, and it was... It was tricky, but I, I felt really good about this particular young woman and her potential and her style was what I was looking for as well. Cause I had to have the right style. Um, that was one hurdle. Another hurdle is I, as of, even as, as yesterday, I changed project managers on my formatting team for the fourth project manager. So that was really, um, stressful, but, um, I was always optimistic, but I just, I, it kept changing hands and it was at the same company the same organization i was working with but there was just a series of events that i had my fourth project manager yesterday yeah so that was tough yeah the book is called dinking through life lessons from the pickleball court and so we have some expectation of what it what it is about but can you share with us what the book is about um sort of why it happened and and what people can expect to learn from dinking through life Sure. Um, so when the germ of an idea was that there was so many parallels between sports and between pickleball in particular and life uh, and what we can learn. And as a business coach, which is what I do full time as a job, mm-hmm. uh, I'm often drawing parallels and uh, analogies to people and helping them understand what they're experiencing or what they need to change. Mm-hmm. Um, so sports are, um, as we say, coaching is not just for sports. So yeah. Uh, that was a, an element of it. And I thought on day one, if I can draw 
60, 70 parallels, then I have a book here. Mm -hmm. And so that was my first day one activity was to draw a set of parallels mm -hmm. and just start to really map that out and found that it was not that complicated because there are just so many, whether it's, yeah. you know, just even in pickleball, you dink, which is a very, very uh, soft game. And so when in life do we need to be patient and just be um be patient and let the game unfold and not force something so yeah. those lessons um it's a partner game so how you partner with someone or how you help your partner or hinder your partner is a big part of the book as well and yeah. when you set your partner up for something that's not so good <laughs> yeah a smash a, a tough a tough ball um you work together and how you move on the court you work together so just the, the parallels are are um, never ending. Uh, so it was actually choosing the ones to put in the book because it could have been a lot longer. But I, I really said I wanted about, you know, 55, 60 parallels to life mm -hmm. on the court and in life is, is really how I set up the book um, yeah. with a pickleball analogy and then what's happening on the court and what you're experiencing and then how does that relate to your life and how you can take that lesson forward. I think that's so good because there's a lot of people who have these lessons because they play some sport and so they're they've learned these lessons but kind of transitioning those to life is not always as straightforward and you know what you were describing with thinking i think of small ball with baseball where you know you got the bunting and you're hitting for base hits so you can you know eventually get runs in everyone would love to hit a home run but i think small ball is you know equally as important but taking those things that you learn in sports or from teamwork and in bringing those into your everyday life is not always an easy thing. And I assume that as a business coach, that's something that you have had to help people learn how to do to say, okay, what are the lessons that you've learned through the, your lived experience or experiences that you're getting from mentors or other coaches? What are those experiences and how can you bring them into what you're doing now and what you hope to do in the future? Yes, there is, um, you know, analogies are a great way for people to learn. Uh, mm -hmm. It's a great way for people to see things that they can't see otherwise. Um, so always using that analogy and that, that um, example is really helpful, I find, in, in the work I do with people. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that you know, pickleball is one version of that. Uh, as I was editing the book, my, my niece is a very big volleyball player. And she was like, Oh, I could see everything in this in volleyball. Let's, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. are you ready to do something different? And I was like, let's start with just one. But, <laughs> um, but that is true because we learn, um, there's a saying that says how we do, how we do games or how we play life. Yeah, yeah. So if you're on the court with someone who's kind and polite or who's generous as a partner, as a teammate, they probably are like that in life. Yeah. And that's, you know, if they're competitive, they're probably like that in life. Yeah. <laughs> um, or, if, or if you have a weakness, that's probably something maybe you have in life. And that's also something where it's like, oh, I can address that. I can work on that. I can be better at that so that my partner doesn't have such a hard time. And, and that's an interesting element because we do, um, when, we, when I, I play, I play tournaments occasionally and uh, it's funny because I played in a tournament that was 19 and up, uh, 19 to 50 was the age range of the group I was playing in. And 
I, when I play with the younger people, they become more impatient and pickleball mm. is kind of a patient game. So you age helps in that where yeah. I, I can be a little bit more patient than they might be able to, because it's like, it's going to happen. I'm not worried. It's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you learn, you learn where your weaknesses are as, as well. Is that, uh, well, I, I'll, I'll get that. I can get there. No, you got to actually get there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. You can't just assume things are going to happen on the court. Uh, you have to make them happen. Right. And sometimes, you know, you can try and get there and you may not quite get there, but you'll get there the next time. Yes. And be forgiving of yourself and your partner. Yeah. In that, And, you know, there's a lot of thing about sports where, you know, it's the next shot, right? Uh, it's the next shot. And you can't think about the last shot because there's going to be another one. So you, yeah. have, you have to move on. And that's, that can be hard in life. I've played with partners um, where mindset is a big issue, um, where they're, they beat themselves up. And it's like, no, no, let's, we, we're going to keep going. We're going to go. We're going to go. We got we to gotta raise ourselves and just not worry about what happened last. Um, yeah. and it's a short game. It's 11 points. So yeah. anyone can win or lose at any point in time. And I've come back from a 0-10 to win. Because I believed I could, and I yeah. didn't let that get behind me. But it's easy to let that get in your head. Yeah, but I've played a handful of times. It's a super fun sport. Uh, however, as a volleyball player, it is so hard for me to get out of my head not to smash every ball. Yes, so I'm like, oh, it's right there. I'm going to smash it, and then they'll they'll pass it, and because I smash it, they pass it behind me, and I'm like, well. Yeah. can't get that ball <laughs> so it takes a lot of patience to learn like not every not you know as the book says dinking through life not everything has to be a smash and not every smash is a good one yeah that's a funny thing because i do play with volleyball players sometimes and they're like i played volleyball and you're like yeah you're gonna have to kind of reprogram a little bit to see yeah. to see it more of a chess match more things unfolding versus every opportunity that sets itself up for sure. Yeah. But, and I hope that people don't let those kinds of things keep them from trying something else, trying something different. You say, because I think, you know, there's a lot of reasons why pickleball is rising in popularity, but I have to think that one of them is because the game is so different every time that you play and it keeps it so interesting. You know, we, we, that I think along with those other things that we talked about, the resources, the availability of courts and those kinds of things. I think makes it to where it, it's so fun because you just don't know what's going to happen next. Yeah, there is some truth to that, especially because it's such a short game. Most games are anywhere from 10 to 20 yeah. minutes yeah. that that the game lasts a relatively short period of time. There's a lot of movement between partners and who you're playing um, and you're in the elements. If you're outside, the wind yeah. is a factor sometimes. Right. But it's that it, it, it changes really quickly. Um, so you're, you can play in a couple hours, you can play eight games, which is, you know, and, and 20 different people. So you have a lot going in. And as we say, you know, any, any game, uh, you can win in any game you can lose. Uh, and yeah. sometimes you're surprised, um, that you lose as bad as you do. And then you turn around and you win as good as you do. <laughs> <laughs> They're the same people and it doesn't make any sense, uh, yeah. which is fun. Yeah, I want, I want to close just on your, your business coach self. Um, 
because uh, I know that's something you do yeah. um, sort of as the big part of your life. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I want to make sure that we talk a little bit about that, um, about business profit, yeah. um, your company, and um, just share with us about business profit and about what it means to you to be able to be a coach, to be able to help other people along their journey and what you hope to see in the future with that. Yes. Um, I have been coaching for about 15 years now, and I really enjoy that connection I make with business owners and executives to help them achieve whatever goal they have, uh, yeah. whatever they're whatever they're facing, to help them uh, get clarity around it and then see a path forward. Uh, I do a lot of work in the financials. I do a lot of work in the marketing. I do a lot of work in the mindset because those are the areas that tend to be the hot buttons for most business owners. Um, and those are areas that um, they're, they can be uh, confusing, they can be complex, or they can be rid, you know, the financials or the mindset. That's a lot about what you have to learn or what you have to believe. Mm -hmm. So um, I'll work with them on the, in those areas in particular. And, and part of me doing this book was to challenge myself like I would challenge business owners and yeah. to put yourself out there. And at some point in the process, I thought if this book takes 34 days, that's still a success. Yeah. yeah. Now I don't want it to, but I, if it took 34 days, it didn't take three to four years. So yeah. it's okay. Yeah. Um, but that element of challenging yourself and I challenge my, my clients all the time, you know, what are you doing to move yourself forward today? Yeah. And so I vlogged about it every day to show the process of what was going to happen and, mm. and the ups and downs. Cause there were days when I was like, we totally got this. I am, we are going to be ahead of schedule. And other days I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and can I tell you, Nathan, that right before we got on the phone, I pushed the button and published on day 29. Wow. Congrats. That's awesome. So it was, it That's was, awesome. it was great. And there was one, um, output one speed bump along the way that was pretty significant and yeah. it uh it actually became a, a blessing and sometimes we don't see that right yeah. uh, and what happened was i got my first copy of the book uh about week uh, about day seven seven or eight and i i ordered it early and i just was doing some random you know just trial runs yeah and i hated it mm. And I was like, I don't like this book. I don't like how it fell in my hand. I didn't like the. And what I what came out of that was, I'm going to do an adult coloring book to go along with this book. And so I not only have this book, this hardcover book, but I also now tomorrow I'm going to push the button on pushing a second book in the 30 days, which is a eight and a half by eight and a half adult coloring pickleball book. Yeah. So that. It, but it was, I wouldn't have done that. I wasn't going out to do that, but it was a bump along the road that, wow. that I can make the most of this and look at what I can do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it was kind of, kind of cool, but to teach your clients that even those bumps along the way are opportunities. Yeah. Can you tell us where to get the book and any release dates that you have out there for projects that are coming up? Sure. Um, so I did push the button today, which is uh, July 18th. Um, and it is Amazon takes three days up to 72 hours to put it live on their site. Okay. So it'll be live on Friday. Um, it is available on Amazon. 
Uh, I am working on getting it available on Barnes and Noble as well as Ingram. So that's that's in the process. But Amazon on Friday, uh, the coloring book that goes with it uh, will be available also on Friday uh, as well. It'll be published tomorrow. Um, you can get it on dinkingthroughlife.com, uh, which is uh, through my website, or you can go to Amazon directly. It is uh, the hardcover book is twenty six ninety nine, and the uh, soft cover book is nineteen ninety nine, and the coloring book is fourteen ninety nine. Awesome. Yeah. PJ, I want to say thank you so much for joining us today. It has been really, really, I've loved hearing about your story. I've loved hearing what you have to share. I think it's so cool. And I hope that other people kind of take that spirit and go do what they enjoy doing. Yeah. And challenge yourself. You know, it's, yeah. it's you don't know where you'll end up when you do that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we also want to thank you for tuning into this episode of the Bridging Chicago podcast. You can be sure to visit PJ at www.business-profit.com and get a copy of her book, Dinking Through Life, Lessons from the Pickleball Court at www.dinkingthrough.com or on Amazon. Again, that's www.dinkingthroughlife.com or on Amazon. Finally, you can find more ways to connect with her and listen to our other episodes of the podcast on our website, www.bridgingchicago.com. PJ, thanks again for tuning in. Thanks to our listeners. We really enjoy having you today. Thank you, Nathan. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bridging Chicago as produced by the SATC Solutions Center. Nothing contained in this podcast shall constitute financial, investment, legal, and or professional advice. No professional relationship of any kind is created between you and the podcast host or guest. You are urged to speak with your financial, investment, or legal advisors before making any investment or legal decisions. Furthermore, the opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the opinions of SATC Solution Center, SATC Law, or any of its employees. This podcast is created by the hosts and guests' individual capacities. All opinions on this podcast are or have been rendered based on specific facts, under certain conditions, and are subject to certain assumptions and may not and should not be used or relied upon for any other purpose, including, but not limited to, or use in or in connection with any investment purposes or legal proceeding.